Hello, it is Tuesday, January 5th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And here are the topics for this evening. Start off with talking about Rose Namajunas' manager and how he is pushing back against the UFC and how he may need to push back even stronger if he wants to get Namajunas the next title fight. Michael Chandler says that Tony Ferguson was mismanaged and that was the reason why Chandler and Ferguson's fight did not come to be. I don't discuss Chandler's take on the fight, but more the mismanagement. Uh, Corey Sandhagen wants a title fight and does not want to see TJ Dillashaw get a title fight. And I agree with him. And finally, and what I want to see in 2021, I would like to see the UFC have main event backups, backup fighters for every fight card that comes during the pandemic and now on with the show so we know there's a to-do between the UFC and Rose Namajunas' management about her getting the next shot at uh, Wiley Zhang Dana White said that she wasn't interested the next day it came out from uh, Pat Barry that she was interested and then it came out that it's going to be either Nama Yunus or Esparza. The sticking point in, in this, I'm going to guess, is financial. And it sounded like the UFC's interest was get Nama Yunus. But if they could not get Nama Yunus, then Esparza is going to be the second cheaper option. Stupid? Yep. UFC on brand? Yep. Um, so and this is what um, Brian Butler, the manager of... Rose Namajunas had to say we're still in talks with the UFC about Rose but I can tell you that Rose is ready Rose has been ready she's been ready she's been in camp Rose is ready to fight honestly in the next she can fight on a couple weeks notice she's ready to go so we have to see it could be Rose it could be Carla it could be whoever we'll see and while this I guess in the UFC world does constitute pushing back on the UFC because Let's face it, more often than not, um, Dana White's word is gospel and no one dare speak up against him. So this is, however slight, a pushback on the UFC because White said that Nama Yunus did not want that fight and she clearly does. So if the sticking point's money and this gets a little more you know, ugly, for lack of a better term, I hope Butler gets a little more determined to get his fighter this contest. And if it is financial and it gets up in the, uh, where the UFC is going to book Esparza because she's cheaper, and that's the assumption, then then I hope Butler will bring that to to the media and say, look, this was the sticking point and they went with the cheaper option. The uh, the days of fearing the UFC have to have to have to come to an end. The days of kowtowing to Dana White have to come to an end. Fighters are going to get uh, shorted 
and it's going to get more and more like this now. Uh, the writing is on the wall. The Endeavor, the ownership group of the UFC, wants to extract as much profit as it can from the from the promotion, and that is what it looks like it's going to be for uh, the priorities going forward. We see that with the fighters that are allegedly going to be cut. We see that with uh, uh, the signings of the cheaper talent to replace those fighters. It just seems like this is going to be run like a private equity firm would run a newspaper or a website, and that is extract as much profit as possible out of that thing as quickly as possible. And if you leave it a shell of what it once was, so be it. And then you sell off the pieces. So I hope I'm, like I said, I talked about this before, I hope I'm wrong in that assumption or the way it looks to me. But that's honestly how it looks to me. And so Butler has a chance here to stand up and say, this is how it's going. They could have gave the more deserving fighter the fight. They did not do so. Instead, they went with option two, which just so happens to be the cheaper option. Please, fighters, you, you need, and management, you really need to voice your opinion on these things and and this, that wouldn't even be an opinion if it happens. That would be a stone cold fact. Um, and so I hope managers stand up to the UFC on this because if they don't, and fighters, if they don't, it's only going to get worse. And we're not going to see fights that, as fans, that we want to see. We're going to see fights that make financial sense to the UFC. And if those fights are good for the fans, say somehow enticing Habib to come out of retirement to face to face McGregor, which is an undeserving fight for McGregor. That'll be good for the fans and be good for the UFC. Carla Sparza facing Wally Zhang, good for the UFC, not so good for the fans. And so that's that's the road we're headed down, I think. We were we were on that road, sure, but I think it's going to be a lot more visible going forward. Where, where finances are going to dictate the bookings much more than they, than they have. And much more, I think, more often than not, if things get a little dicey with choice A, choice B, which will be the cheaper choice, is going to, to win out. So, hope I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I hope management and fighters stand up for what is right, and that is getting as much money as they can out of the UFC and not allowing them to book a cheaper option. Uh, Michael Chandler said that his um, fight with Tony Ferguson just did not come to be because of um, poor management on Ferguson's part, Ferguson's team. Um, and what he said is, I will never judge someone's management or someone's decisions. Like I said, we are all extremely busy. We've we got stuff going on inside the octagon and outside the octagon. We're fathers, we're sons, we're businessmen. We're doing all kinds of other stuff, especially when you get into the upper echelon of, of us top guys in each weight division. But the Tony Ferguson situation was definitely mismanaged. I mean, we had the opportunity for him and I to step into the octagon in January, and Tony says no, and kind of goes on like that. And I think we got a, our first inkling that something was wrong in the Tony Ferguson camp 
in his most recent fight where he dictated everything. And I don't know if this is has been the case, but he dictated the training. He dictated what he was going to work on, when he was going to work. Um, and that's the understanding we had. And he was totally in charge of his training camp, which is good when you're winning. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's good when you're winning. It's lucky when you're winning. And when you lose, things go, the microscope comes out. And that's when people look and say he was running his own camps and training and, and, and doing all that as he was the boss. That's That sounds like a recipe for disaster. And I think this is another case where we where that gets pointed out. Now, Tony Ferguson, fantastic fighter, entertaining fighter, um, maybe on the downside of his career. I don't know. But I think he needs to get a handle on things in this in this way and get a little more structure. And I know Ferguson's kind of an unstructured guy, just flies by what he's feeling and like I said that's fine to a point when you're winning but when you're when you start to lose you need to readjust and look at everything and maybe structure is something that is needed maybe focus is something that is needed maybe a management stepping in and saying look you're paying us to guide your career and this is what we think from working with other fighters and other businesses, this is what we think you need to do to take the next step. And if Ferguson says no, well, then that's the point where the management has to look at it and say, is the amount of money we're getting from this guy worth it when we know things aren't going like we should be managing him? And... If it is, then you just take the money, sit back, and let things happen as they as they will. Not ideal from a management standpoint, because if things keep going wrong, who's going to get blamed? Management's going to get blamed. No one's going to point the finger at themselves. So I think strong management um, might be needed here in the case of Tony Ferguson. And this isn't really specifically related to that fight with Chandler falling by the wayside. This is more a overarching look at where Ferguson is at his in his career. He could get by with with running things on his own and by his own will in the past, but now he's getting older. He's accumulated a lot of damage. He's not fighting anyone but the best in his division. And maybe it's time for someone to take this management part of things off his plate take the training schedule things off his plate and just say, look, Tony Ferguson, this is what we think is going to work. Sit down uh, and put together a plan with with Ferguson's input, a plan though, not just whatever happens this day happens and structure it going forward. Uh, that is what I think um, we really need to see in Tony Ferguson's camp going forward. Otherwise, I just... I just don't see a big run of success going for, for Tony Ferguson, at least not as he, at this point in his career, because um, things are are sliding for him, and um, I think he needs less to worry about and more structure than he is, has been getting. But I could be wrong. That's my opinion. Um, Corey Sandhagen is booked to face Frankie Edgar, and... 
there's been talk about some other people getting a title shot in front of him. And some of those people have been active in the UFC and maybe they will get a title shot in front of him based on their name um, and their activity and their wins. But one person who should not get a title shot over Sandhagen at 135 pounds is TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw's been out uh, for two years on a drug test failure suspension, USADA suspension, took EPO, admitted it, um, relinquished his title before the results even became um, known of the of the drug test failure, didn't really fight it, and two-year suspension. So he's getting back, getting ready to come back, and there is some fear, I think, in the Bantamweight division that he is going to walk right back into a title fight. And here's what Sam Hagen says. I think it's, and he's talking about himself at first, if he gets a win over Frankie Edgar. I think it's got to be a title shot. If it makes sense in my head, that's why I took the fight more than anything. I think if I beat Frankie and I keep myself busy and I don't play this game of, oh, I'm the number two guy, so I deserve it after that, I'm not going to play that game with the UFC. I wanted to stay busy. I wanted a big name. I wanted someone that is good, and Edgar is it. I think TJ definitely needs a win over one of these top guys, too before he comes back and fights for a belt. I heard him say he's playing the financially secure card and, quote, I'll wait for a title shot, this and that. We've been putting in work while you've been gone, so that would be kind of a bummer if they just gave it to him. And this is true, and I didn't... When I first spoke about this, my uh, reason for not giving Dillashaw a title fight was don't award a cheater, which is what this would be. So if, if he would have walked in to a title shot after two years suspension for a, a drug test failure, well then you allowed a fighter to recover, get better, rest, train, do everything he needed to do to fight for the title. You basically gave him a two-year training camp to come back and fight for a title. And as such, you rewarded, you would, you would reward a cheater if you do that. And... This was not a question of tainted supplements. He took the EPO. It was knowingly doping, and you can't reward that. Um, even one fight, giving him one fight before a title shot is not that great, but at least it's something. It, pro it proves where he's at actually in the division. It proves he, can, he is clean and can pass drug tests for the fights, and it proves that he's going to be around for a little while. And the other, like Sandhagen says here, what it also shows is that for two years he was out. For that time, the 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 uh, weight division was keeping moving. Everyone else was fighting, jockeying for that position. So what you say to the rest, to the rest of the division, everyone in the 135-pound division that's been fighting while, while Dillashaw has been sitting out, because of the failed drug test is, eh, you don't really matter this mu that much. This guy's got a bigger name than you, and so we're going to put the bigger name in. So thanks for, thanks for your hard work for the past two years, but we're going to give the drug cheat the next uh, title fight. It's a slap in the face, and I don't think it makes financial sense either because T.J. Dillashaw was, I mean, he'll, he'll probably argue this. It wasn't that big of a draw. And why would anyone care now? Two years is a long time in the UFC. That's 
80 plus fight cards, that's a long time. If every one of those fight cards has 12, I mean, you're, you're over 900 fights. 900 fights since since uh, TJ Dillashaw stepped in. People are, are they might remember the name, but I mean, and, and that last fight didn't last very long because Sahuda um, got him out of there pretty quick. So he's not really someone that deserves that title shot, like I said. And it's a slap in the face to book him in that title shot for the Bantamweight division if you just let him strut in. It's a slap in the face to every fighter in the UFC if you let a drug cheat come back from a two-year suspension and fight for a title. It says, it sends, uh, it distinctly sends the wrong message on both of those counts. So I would hope the UFC does not gift Dillashaw a title shot. But remember, remember when they were trying to get Demetrius Johnson to put his 125-pound title up against Dillashaw, the, what Dana White said was, do this for, for TJ. TJ deserves this. Nothing to do with Demetrius Johnson, who is the longest reigning champion in UFC history. So even then, it was the UFC was siding with Dillashaw for some reason, which was stupid. And back then, that was a slap in the face to Johnson. I'm glad he never bought into that and stood his ground and didn't give Dillashaw the title fight. Um, but uh, yeah, Sanhagen deserves it if he beats Edgar. And if he loses, there's still people more deserving than a 135-pound title shot than TJ Dillashaw is. And finally, tonight with the what I want to see in 2021 from the, from the UFC is this. Main events, all main events should have a backup. And not a backup fight, but a backup fighter. Like, if you look at UFC 257, you could probably say that the Michael Chandler-Dan Hooker fight could be a backup fighter situation for the main event. But someone's going to be left out in the cold if one of the if one of the main event guys, either Conor McGregor or Dustin Poirier, is forced out. And then if Chandler or Hooker steps up, well, then the person that doesn't get that fight is out of luck. And they went through a training camp for a specific opponent. And so I think what we need here, because of COVID-19, because of travel problems, because of everything that's going on for this pandemic, which is not going to disappear, um, probably at least for the majority of 2021, is a way to keep uh, at least one of the fighters in the main event, if at all possible, and a name opponent. Uh, as a backup if you can do so. And I know that's difficult, especially with the limited number of fighters you can have and the travel restrictions. And is it in Abu Dhabi? Is it in Vegas? There's a lot of logistics to going on in that kind of situation. But I just think it's something that's really needed. And I would really like to see that. I know this is something the UFC has done in the past where they have a guy, and Chandler was one of those guys, have someone on deck who can weigh in and step in to fight in the main event. And 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 this doesn't have to this shouldn't be for anything but main events and you should pay that fighter a win and show to get ready because that's what they deserve if they get ready. And and they don't get a fight, 
well, they deserve they deserve what they went through everything to get ready for a five round fight. So pay them, pay them what's right. But um, I doubt this will happen. What it saves is a name, at least uh, uh, saves a decent fight for a main event, especially in a pay-per-view situation. Uh, could you imagine if the 257 main event gets knocked off? That's going to be a pretty disappointing evening for a lot of fans, especially now since the price of the UFC pay-per-views is going up. You need to deliver. You need to deliver not a backup fight. Especially if you have a weak co-main event. You need to deliver. And not just for the fans, but also for ESPN. They're going to want sales. And if the backup, uh, if the co-main event is not strong, those sales are not going to happen. And they're going to still have to pay the UFC a set amount for every pay-per-view. So ideally, in a in a business sense, it makes sense to have a name backup fighter ready for a main event in this COVID-19 era. I would say it makes sense all the time, but that's something the UFC is going to have to 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 play with. But yeah, to me, it makes sense now and just keep that in process as the uh, as time goes forward. Will it happen? I highly doubt it, but would it be good? It would be good for everyone involved except for whoever is writing that check for the fighter if they're not needed as a backup. But other than that, it's uh, there's no real negative to it. And with that, I call it a night. I will probably be back tomorrow. And until then, everyone stay safe. <laughs>